Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, why his name matters. There's a strong push in the world to allow the name of Jesus to becoming to become nothing more than a curse word. And that the the word of the Lord gets silenced and buried in the midst of all kinds of jargon and conversation and argument. But his word and his name is powerful. And his name matters tonight and sometimes there's revelation that happens from this pulpit. Tonight just may be a reminder. Is it okay if we just remind each other about why we do what we do? Is it okay if... Now, I'm not saying if you, if you don't know this truth, there's, there's revelation that can happen in this room tonight. There's revelation that can occur in your life and, and it may be that you're in darkness and don't even know it, but here's what, I, here's what I can promise is that if we just ask the Lord to let his light shine into our life, revelation can happen in this room. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why his name matters. Would you pray together with me one more time? And let's ask that God would let his name become preeminent in the room. I, I wish that you would just allow the next few moments to, to touch you on the inside until something happens on the outside. Is that all right? Would you lift your voice together with me? Father, we are so thankful for the power of your name. If you know that name, I wonder if you would just pray with confidence for a moment. Over the next few minutes, pray that God's anointing would rest not just on this speaker, but pray that God's anointing would rest on every hearer in the room because the enemy's fighting hard and he's wanting to silence every voice of confidence, every voice that's, that's promoting God's plan, every voice that, that's preaching the word, every voice that's declaring the good news, the gospel. He, he, he's very strategic and he'd love to silence us. He'd, he'd love to distract us tonight. He'd love for our phones to start ringing and text messages to start coming and confusion to start moving into the room. But I wonder if we just let, let God be God for a few moments tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand as you're seated. Dale Carnegie said, A person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. Dale Carnegie knew what he was doing. As a, as a matter of fact, he, he probably still leads the way in, in people when they're struggling socially to, to realize and recognize the path to, to creating friendships and creating relationships. He, he said, remembering names of customers, prospects, networking contacts, and colleagues is critical to your ongoing professional success. It's essential in forming and strengthening relationships as well as establishing rapport within individuals and feeling confident in doing so. There's power in a name. It was Wednesday night that I was introducing the church by way of a photo to Sarah Elizabeth Hennessy. 
And I had taken a moment to jot the name down with a pen, sorry, a pencil that lead was quite dull. And, and uh, I had just kind of scratched in the way that the reason I print my notes with a computer is because I couldn't even read my handwriting, I don't think. No judgment. I've seen many of your handwriting too. We, we need hieroglyphics in the usher's office for tithe envelopes. And, but I've seen that, so I, I guess I'm just trying to bring you down to my level for a minute. <clears throat> we, uh, so I was attempting to communicate this wonderful moment to the church that had happened in our church family in this picture of Sarah Elizabeth Hennessy, and I got her name wrong. It was just like, it took me about five minutes into the sermon to get over that. I, 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 why did you say that? Why, why didn't you just pull your phone out? You have all the information. You know how much she weighed. You know when she was born. It's all right there in perfect print. Why would you try and read your own hen scratching? Why? Why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. But names are powerful. They have uh, as a matter of fact, let, let me just finish that little illustration for a minute. I, well, I, I was in the office when Pastor Mike came in t- this morning, and I said, Mike, did you hear about what happened on Wednesday night? It was like, hi, Mike, did you hear about what happened Wednesday night? Because here's what I know. You all were going to tell him the moment he got in church. <laughs> you were. And I'm not wrong, because I came in after telling Mike that, and somebody right over here was having a conversation with him, telling him, did you know what happened on Wednesday night? <laughs> I won't name any names. I really won't, because names are powerful. <laughs> names have a way of creating an identity, and it's how we're known by those around us. So if our names are important, without a doubt, God's name is important. As a matter of fact, our names are so important in the Old Testament that there were times that God would change somebody's name because he was changing their identity. God would change somebody's name because it didn't properly reflect. It may have reflected who they were, but it didn't reflect who they would become. Aren't you glad that God could change your identity? That you no longer have to be identified by what you were, but now you can be identified by who you are becoming. I am a child of the King. I am a child of him. I, I, I'm, I'm righteous. I'm, I'm a part of a kingly throne. I, I can celebrate the fact that God is allowing me to become what he wants me to be. I can become that. God, God would change names, and I won't, I won't take a long time in this area. I've got all the scriptures here, but God changed Abraham's, Abram's name to Abraham because he foresaw what he would become. Same for Sarah. Names were so important in the Old Testament that God would redefine somebody so they could become who they desired to become. God changed Jacob's name in Genesis 32. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. Are you glad that, that you don't have to be identified anymore by what you were but that God has a new identity for you I just felt a little uplift in the Holy Ghost right there because God's trying to let somebody know your past doesn't determine your future your past isn't here today to determine your eternity you can pick a new path if you allow God to redirect your life God wants to change your name and but it was in that moment where God was changing Jacob's name that we see this hunger for humanity to know the name of God. It was Jacob when he was wrestling with that angel. He said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. 
And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost after, ask after my name? The angel said, why are you asking my name? And he said that the scripture says that he blessed him there. It was Samson's father. He, he longed to know the name of this angel that showed up to give them the instructions about what would happen in Samson's life. And Manoah came to him and said to the angel of the Lord, what's thy name? What's your name? There's this desire. We, we, we know that Manoah wanted something more than just somebody showed up. Because if Manoah knew and, and by faith received all the promises that angel was giving, then he knew that he could, if he just had that name, he could identify who gave the promise to him. If he just knew that name. And so he said, well, what's your name that we could do your honor? And the angel of the Lord said to him, he said, why askest thou thus after my name? Seeing it's a secret. You can't know it yet. And it seems somehow that God shrouded his name in mystery. He shrouded his name in secrecy. And humanity had this hunger and this desire to know God. But God had a plan that he would progressively reveal his name to humanity. Step by step, he reveals it. Genesis 1, we see the identity of God. Let me just step back for a minute. It was Moses that, that, that told God, he said, who am I going to tell them that sent me? And God said, tell them that I am that I am is sending you. Because God knew that if he defined his name, if he allowed in that Old Testament, if he just kind of summed his character, his purpose, his plan, all up in a single name, people would, would miss it until he progressively revealed who he was and how he worked. Because God is bigger than just a name. God is bigger than just this simple. And, and so God, from the very beginning, in Genesis 1, Moses wrote, he said, in the beginning, God, God Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. And, and, and throughout Scripture, 2,500 times, Elohim is found in the Bible. It's the first name that we are given to define this great God. But it starts the path of us having a revelation of who God is. It speaks of God as a creator. It speaks of God's character. It speaks of his ability to speak and light goes forth. It established his sovereignty, his creativity, his authority among humanity. He was the creator and the living God. And it was just the first step to defining who he was. He said, I'm God. I'm Elohim. That's who I am. Elohim. It was next that God defined himself as El Ra, the God who sees me. It was Hagar who was pushed out of Abraham's household. He, she had her son, but no hope. It was a hopeless situation. But in Genesis 16, God showed up and made a way in the middle of no way. And it was after God made that way out of no way. Hagar said he was the God that saw her. God that seest me. I want someone to know tonight, you may not completely know the power of his name, but I want you to understand that God sees you where you are. You may not have uh, years of theology behind. I'm grateful for all of our Bible college students, and I'm grateful for all of our Bible college teachers. I'm thankful for them because they're releasing the word of God into lives. But you may not have all that background, and you may not have all that history, but can I just remind somebody today, God sees you right where you are. God knows exactly where you stood before service tonight. God knew exactly all the questions you had in your mind before you showed up for service. God knew exactly what you were thinking. And I just want you to know God sees exactly where you are, but God's not stopping there. He's got a way out of that impossible situation. God's got a way out. There's a way that he's prepared. And if you'll just listen clearly for his voice, God will show you the way out. God knows where you're at. He sees you. 
It was the revelation of God's name. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, is revealed in, in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. It's the God, the God that heals. And I thank God tonight for all the prayer that we prayed because I'm believing God for healing. I'm I'm troubled by sickness that that seems to make its prominence in our congregation. And and I I understand why pastor would kind of just hold everything up and say, now we got to pray together about these needs. I I saw him as Brother Larry was walking along the front and and it just kind of grabs you. And and I watched this pastor walked over and and got a hold of him and began to pray for him. I'll tell you why, because a shepherd cares about the sheep. And when you see somebody sick, there's something that moves on the inside of you. You, it, It matters. But here's what I know, even it matters, but it matters more that we know a God that can heal, a God that can deliver. And it's not just the people behind this pulpit. I listened as Wednesday night, some of our church members, Brother Allen, he was walking out with Brother Larry. He said, I'm looking forward to the day when you run down that aisle. Come on, we may as well just celebrate that he is the God that heals all of our diseases. If we don't celebrate it when we preach about it, then there's a probability that we'll never see it. But if we have faith that we are going to experience it, then God, we open that door to say, God, I know your name is that you are a healer. So release the power of your name. I wish you'd just stand for a moment, pray over whatever need you're praying for. I don't want to limit it to just two, but I wish we'd name a few names tonight because he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the God, our healer. He's deliverer, right? It'd be all right if you just got a hold of somebody nearby. You don't know what need is in their life tonight. Come on, exercise. He said, that's why his name matters. It matters because there's sickness among us. It matters because we need the creative hand of God at work. It matters because somebody needs to know tonight that God sees you. Why does his name matter? It matters because it identifies the need that we have and brings a solution to the problem. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just, just ask him for it, but then would you transition to thanking him for it? God, I'm grateful that you are a healer. God, this is more than just power, power of positive thinking tonight. This is prayer. This is request that ascends to your throne. God, this is a request that activates your hand of healing. God, that activates your word of healing. Amen. Would you clap hands to the Lord while you're seated? His name matters because we are a people in need. Jesus said the poor you're going to have with you always. It's just a fact. God allows us to walk into areas of need in many times in our lives. But in those moments when we don't have what we what we need. God said he would be a provider. It was Genesis 22, verse 13. Abraham, in the midst of his need, he looked and behold, he, he saw a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. There was a need. It was, it was a prominent need. It was a, it was a 
necessary thing in his life. He was going to lose his son, but all of a sudden, God allowed the sacrifice to show up. And in that moment, Abraham said, he is a God that can supply my need. I'm going to define him as Jehovah Jireh. He's a God, and, and God successively and progressively released the power and the authority of his name. I don't know if you're in the room tonight, and you've got a need in your life. It could be financial. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. But he is a God that can supply every need tonight. Has that ever happened for anybody here? I wish you'd just shout yes. yes. I know that it has. A God that would supply it was Jehovah Nisi. It was the Lord, our banner. Moses <clears throat> had this opportunity to fight the enemy. There was going to be war with Amalek from generation to generation. Exodus chapter 17 said it, but God said you wouldn't go into battle alone, Moses. He said that he would allow himself to be Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. In other words, the people could be fighting on the ground, but Moses could know that God was at work on his throne. The people may be at war in their lives, but God was still on the throne and his banner was over them. They were his people and he would work on their behalf. God was their banner. Somebody tonight, you're in the midst of a spiritual battle and God wants you to know why does his name matter? I'll tell you why his name matters because you need to know that God's on your side. You need to know that you're not fighting this one alone. You're not walking that path by yourself. He's right there by your side. His hand is firmly clasped to yours if you're willing to take it. And if you'll take that walk, God will be with you. God will be your banner. You're not alone. Psalm 23, God continues to release the power of his name. Y'all, <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd is what the psalmist said. Yahweh, Jehovah, Ra, is what has, how that term is translated. The Lord shepherds me. And I'm thankful we talked a little bit about shepherding just a minute ago. But, but that's not where God is limited to. If you study that word a little bit further on, it also has the context of friend or compassion. It can be translated as the Lord is my friend. The Lord is my shepherd, but God is also my friend. And in this passage, we're reminded just how much God really does care for us. He's our shepherd, but it's more. You know, sometimes shepherding, I'm sure, it can get a bit impersonal. I'm, I'm sure that, that for the sheep, sometimes it's like I'm just part of the herd. Do I ever stand out in the crowd? Does it matter? Does it even matter that I'm here? Sometimes I'm sure that, anybody ever felt that way? We can be honest. Does, does it even matter? Do, does my life even count? Do, do people even notice when I'm gone? Yes, yes we do. Does, does my life even matter? Yes. But that scripture, if you'll dig a little deeper, God said it's more than just a shepherd. He said it's a friend. Let me tell you that God is your friend. You're, he's your friend. He was Abraham's friend, but he's your friend. It's deeper than that. Your life matters. You're, you're a significant component to this community of believers called Capital Community Church. If you're here tonight for your 7,000th time or you're here tonight for your first time, you are a significant component of this community of believers. You matter. God's your friend. We're your friend. We love you. We're glad that you're here. His name matters because somebody needs to know I'm not alone. Somebody cares about me. His name defines that. It was, if you'll continue on through the word of the Lord. You know, some of the, the Bible, the book of Hosea is a, 
is a powerful book, but it's a troubling book. God calls this prophet to take and marry a prostitute and, and Hosea's life becomes this representation of God and Israel and, and God put that poor man through all that. But it was because God wanted Israel to know how much he loved them. And that backsliding wasn't the last straw. It doesn't mean that it was all over. If you're a backslider tonight, can I just remind you that the book of Hosea tells us that God wants you back. You may be watching online. It may be later than this Sunday. But God wants you back. God wants you to be a part of this family. God, as a matter of fact, he doesn't just want you back. He's willing to buy you back. He's willing to pay whatever the price is on sin in your life so you can come back to be a part of God's plan for you. That's how much God loves you. But it was in that portion of, of, of Scripture you'll find this verse. In Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14, it said, and it shall be in that day, it's God talking to Israel. He's telling them about what he's willing to do for them. I'll go ahead and read the verses. It's all right. He, in verse 14, he said, therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. And I'll give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. God's saying what he's willing to do for someone that was so far from him, someone that had gone off into idolatry, someone that had backslidden and turned their back on him. But he said, this is what I'm willing to do. This is how much I love my people. He said, this is what I, I, I'm willing to do. I will, I'll create a door of hope and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth. He's saying that she has the opportunity to come back to what she was. She has the opportunity. He loves her that much that he'll create a path and a plan for her to become the person that she always should have been. And it says that in that day, she's going to sing, even though, just as it was in the days of her youth, before she had done everything wrong, God said that she would bring her back to that place of rejoicing and celebration, and the pain would be gone, and the suffering would be gone, and in the past, he would remove it from her life, and she would be able, come on, that's a great picture that she could sing. Now, many of us just want, sometimes I'm convinced that people want backsliders to come back, but don't say anything. Don't talk about where you've been. Just kind of keep your head down and low profile. And, but, but no, no, no. That's not the way that God planned for this. If you're on your way back, God has a seat at the table for you. If you're on your way back, God's arms are open wide, and he's welcoming you back to the place that you should have been in by now. God has that plan for your life. He said, as it, as it was in the days of her youth. When she came up out of the land of Egypt. And in verse 16 it said. And it shall be in that day saith the Lord. That thou. Here's a name. That thou shalt call me Ishi. And shalt no more call me Bailey. I don't know if I got the Jewish Hebrew pronunciation right. I'm confident I didn't. So let me speak in English. Because I can almost do that. God said, you will call me my husband, but you will no longer call me my master. God said, I'm changing the dynamics of our relationship. Yes, I bought you. Yes, you are a slave on the auction block of sin. Yes, there was a price tag attached to you. And everybody else that took their slaves home, now we don't agree with slavery. But everybody else that took their slaves home, would be their slaves would be calling them master. But, but God said, this picture that I'm painting for you, Hosea, it's not, the intention isn't for her, for, 
for her to call you master. The intention is for her to be redeemed, to be put, not just redeemed, not just purchased, but to put back in that rightful position as your bride. She's no longer going to call you master. She's going to call you her husband because I'm restoring her back to her rightful place. God has a place of restoration for somebody in this room tonight. God is restoring you. You don't have to just know God as a master. You can know him as a friend, as a spouse. You can be a part of the bride of Christ. me husband that promise that's why that's why his name matters because God just slowly through scripture began to unpack a little bit about who he was he revealed himself to Gideon as the Lord our peace Jehovah Shalom it was Gideon that built that altar there in Judges chapter 6 and it goes deeper than just the lack of conflict or being calm it means wholeness in all of life or completeness, safety, welfare. God was the source of all of those blessings. It, it, it's God, our peace. God wants to speak peace into somebody's life tonight. Don't be afraid. Fear not is one of the strongest, most frequent commands in the word because we can be filled with fear. Life is scary, but God is bringing peace. That's what he does. He is the peace speaker. And sometimes, like the disciples, we feel like God's nowhere to be seen, under the bow of the boat, totally oblivious to what's happening in our lives, and all we're doing is hanging on, But if you'll bring him to the bow of your ship, God will speak peace to the storm in your life. That's who he is. That's how he works. I'm compelled to stop right there. And I wonder one more time if you would just pause and pray because I believe that God can speak peace directly that fear could leave the room right now. It's not in my notes. It's just that unction that we have in the Holy Ghost. God, I pray you'd speak peace. Come on, in the worst storm, God wants to bring peace. God knew that his name was so powerful that one of the Ten Commandments, you know it, is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God went on, he said, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. God knew that the power of his name was so great and that there was so much authority that he didn't want it diminished when people would use it without purpose or would use it in the wrong way. That he said, don't, don't take my name in vain. 
because there's so much authority. There's so much power connected to my name. When it's released, it does a work. When, so don't, don't treat it frivolously. Don't, don't, don't be flippant with it. Come, come on, put it in its rightful place in your life. It's a sacred name. It's a powerful name. It's a name of authority. That name should only be used to release God's blessing, God's plan, and God's purpose in our lives. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. We can come back to the music tonight. God's name, and this is all just the Old Testament. God's name, God said that he would have a place where his name was, was that, that God had chosen the place of Jerusalem, and he, he put his name there. You ever wonder why little Israel is this huge centerpiece for the world? Because it's where God has placed his name. The reason why it shows up in news clips and why they have one of the most powerful fighting forces in the world is because the, the whole world has turned against them because the enemy fights what he fears and he fears the place woo, where his name is. If we just flip back to the text, Philippians 2 verse 9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is greater. The reason in Matthew, you can read about it in chapter 1, thou shalt call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The reason, why, why does his name matter? Because he is a savior. When that name was released, when that name was released, it encapsulated everything that was in the Old Testament that defined God. That, that's what you find in the name of Jesus. That's why, that's why we need to treat that name with reverence. Why, why does that name matter? That, that name matters because when we pray in that name, something happens. That name is above every other name. Define whatever it is. Put it on the whiteboard of your life. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to put the name of Jesus over top of it all. It, it doesn't matter what's come against you. It doesn't matter what you fear. It doesn't matter what, what's in your life. God said, my name is greater than whatever is defined in your life. His name is greater. As a matter of fact, Philippians said of things in heaven. It was Henry Longfellow that said, silently one by one in the infinite meadow of heaven blossomed the, the lovely stars, the forget-me-nots of the angels. And, and you could go up into the heavens. I got a little creative today. I was like, well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, now I can find, I can find the Big Dipper. But that's about it. I can, I can, I can find that. I might be able to find the Little Dipper if I'm careful, but, but if you get into astrology, now this is like just tapping the, the beginning of astrology, but you can find, I just said, what are the nine most known constellations? There was Aquila, Cygnus, and Pisces, and Cassiopeia, and Lyra, and Scorpius, and Canis Major, and Orion, and Ursa Major. There's all these constellations in the sky that you can find. You can get an app on your phone and just kind of tilt it up to the sky and it begin to tell you where all these are. Powerful things in the heaven. They, they've been defined for millennia. They've been defined for centuries. They, they're... they're 
there are powerful market or marking places that allow humanity in the olden days to, to navigate and find their way. And, and they were uh, the, the, the subject of folklore and legend and, and, and all this thing. But I'll tell you what, whatever's in the heavens that's named, their name isn't greater than the name of Jesus. Because God said, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. And so I don't know how it's going to happen. But here's what I know. Aquila somehow. It may be a constellation. But if God's got to pull stars off into the, come on, into the black hole somewhere, they're going to bow their knee because he's greater than everything that's in the heavens. Whatever's up there to find his name is greater. I don't know what legend is attached to it, but the name of Jesus is greater than everything that's in the heavens. Let's just kind of take a minute and slip under the earth. I, I need to look for some of the most valuable ore on the earth. It's jadeite, three million dollars a carat. Find me a little bit of that. Red diamonds, two million dollars per carat. Scandium, two hundred and seventy dollars per gram. Blue garnet, one point five million dollars per carat. It's it's powerful stuff. It it can buy a lot of things, but you can define it however you want to. At the end of the day, it's still gonna bow to the name of Jesus. It may be great in commerce and it may be great in economy, but it's still nothing compared to the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus every come on every knee shall bow there is no name greater than that name you can look in the earth according to Forbes magazine the 10 most powerful people in the world Xi Jinping secretary of the Communist Party Vladimir Putin Russian president Donald Trump USA president Angela Merkel trans chancellor of Germany Jeff Bezos, I can't believe these guys make the list. Amazon, Pope Francis, Bill Gates, Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Narendra, Narendra Modi, Prime Minister of India, Larry Page, Google. I don't know what their names are. We have a little idea about what they do by their definition of their title. But here's what I know. Every one of those names and every one of those individuals has got to bow. One day will bow their knee. Somewhere they're going to find themselves before the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and die pink. Come on. They're going to bow their knee at the name of Jesus because there is no name greater. There's no one with more authority. There's no one with more power. I feel the Holy Ghost turning a little bit. I tell you what, we better come against China because we've got authority to do it. We better make declaration that the church is going to rise. Come on, bring all the rules that you want to. But God's going to sit on his throne and he's going to make command and every knee is going to bow. Every knee will. Every knee will bow. Why his name matters? His name matters because salvation comes through the power of his name. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 13, 5. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks, what? To his name. James chapter 5, verse 14. 
Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. How? In the name of the Lord. Why does, why does his name matter? His name matters because we need healing to happen. And God gives a specific direction. There's opportunity right there. You don't have to leave the same way that you came. You can be healed in the name of Jesus. You don't have to believe the same way that you came. You can be buried in a watery grave of baptism. There's water in the tank and there's robes in the back hall. We've got a changing room and we've got people to help you get there. And you don't have to leave the way that you came in. There's power in that. Why does his name matter? Because every sin could be washed away from your life. You could leave a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Standing together with me, please. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. What? Come on. Whatsoever we do in word or deed, do it all. Someone say all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him in the name. Now that felt a little bit like a Bible study. It felt like Search for Truth week seven. I didn't go grab old notes out of my file cabinet to preach tonight. I was in prayer on, on Friday night and I've been thinking about the power of the name of Jesus and and, and it, it just, it just flowed because here's what I know. Somebody needs to know the power of that name that's in this room tonight. And you don't have to leave without the understanding of what God can do for you. That name. That name can change your life. And that name can change your eternity. Well, we're going to pray right now because someone, you're in that position of, of uncertain about how to come back home. But God's invitation is in the room tonight. If you pray with me for a minute. Just, just pray for a moment, God's. Somebody's allowing walls to fall right now. Let's lift our voice together. 
Oh, thank you, church family. Thank you for responding to the word. Just, just lean in a little bit right there, would you? allow me I just want to give a little instruction we have a we have a part of our church culture what we I'm not going to call it a tradition but that we would come to the altar at the end of a service and the reason we do that I guess it is a tradition but it's a good one it's a good one because it's a line of demarcation it allows us to step out of the place that we're in into the place that God is calling, that you feel God is calling you to. Now, if the word didn't speak to you tonight, and if that, that, it's very personal. But the reason that we do that is because this altar area becomes a place where you lay some things down or you bring the challenge that you're facing in your life and you bring it to God. I, Man, I, it was like a shotgun tonight. We hit spiritual warfare we hit healing in their bodies we hit we we talked about <clears throat> god being there god being your friend i i think we come against loneliness and depression and we we talked about all these things all these areas of need in people's life where god could meet you because of the power that's who he is that's that's how his name define him and so that may not be a familiar culture to you as a matter of fact it just may be absolutely scary but let me tell you what god told gideon fear not and so it's not a mandatory thing. I'm not saying this is the only way for God to initiate something in your life, but it is an opportunity for you to begin something brand new that God is calling you to. God always called people to build altars in the Old Testament. Well, we don't have the wood and we don't have, however, they built altars or stones. We don't have all the stones here, but this is an altar that's been built and it's been separated and sanctified for that reason. So you can lay something on the altar tonight. You don't, now you don't have to physically lay anything. If you want to, you can. We've had people leave cigarettes on this altar. We've had people leave uh, marijuana on this altar. <laughs> I don't know if this was somebody leaving it on the altar or not, but somebody left like four two fours in the back 40 here. The kids dumped them all out and used the cans for She's for Christ. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm encouraging you to, to come to the altar tonight. And that's from the most seasoned among, among us to the brand new among us. Because God, I really believe God is going to minister. And we've got some folks that we've said, you know, be prepared to pray when we have an altar call. Find some folks to pray with. And, and uh, that, that's just to open a door of opportunity in your life. So we're going to sing. And I've taken longer than I wanted to. But, but I wonder if you would come to the altar tonight. Because I believe that God is wanting to minister to somebody in a very specific way and that you really don't have to leave the way you came. If you want to talk to me about baptism, I'll stay right here next to this stair. If you want prayer, we'll be right here. Ministers are ready to pray. If you need healing in your body, we're going to pray in Jesus' name. We will anoint you if you ask us. It says, let him call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil and pray in Jesus' name, and healing can come. 
So the altar's open, and I'm going to invite everybody to come if you would. So as you come, if you come as close to the front as you can, because we want to make room for everybody at the altar tonight. We're going to begin to sing. And that there isn't any further instruction. It's just moving into the place that God has for us. There is 